Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we're talking about the season series premiere, the big one, 101 uh, Uno is the name of this one. We've got a little bit of a theme going with I'm bullshit. There was five seasons that came before this. <laughs> you know, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, watching this a second time, I realized that a lot of my complaints about the pacing of this show come from the second episode, yeah. not this one. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced that you're... Pacing complaints are entirely valid. Uh, we got to see a larger sample size, but sure. Uh, and I, yeah, I even said that. I'm not judging it yet, but I thought the pilot was really entertaining. And yeah, um, I did get some email from a Breaking Bad Virgin that talked about their approach to the show and what they made of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was surprised at, I guess, how approachable it was from someone that didn't get. Because especially, I, I guess, not so much for the pilot, but for the second episode, which we should probably not talk about. Yeah. Um, I felt like a lot of what made that tick would only work in context of seeing Breaking Bad. But I could be overstating that case. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Okay. And it's impossible for us to see it from any other perspective, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this first episode, and I just was reminded of how fucking good the Villigan, and I'm going to coin the ghoul. Peter Gould or Peter Gould, the ghoul, the Villigan uh-huh. and the ghoul are at making television. <laughs> like there was this one sequence it looks, yeah. where it was, you know, the twins on the corner of the, what was the lush house? Uh, uh, Cafe Lush. Cafe Lush. Yep. Uh, where apparently everybody's hungover goes to get the coffee. Uh, <laughs> they're just kind of sitting there waiting for the, mer- the, the shit brown mercury to come by. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, man, they really know how to film this shit. Yeah. Yeah, it looks beautiful. This show, the craft on display is really amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a, a lot of shots are really good. We'll talk about some of them when we get to them. Um, but uh, is there anything else you wanted to say before we get into the recap? Uh, you know, again, directed by Vince Gilligan, written mm-hmm. by Peter Gould. Uh, yeah, let's. Yeah, I think they co-wrote most of the season together, didn't they? I mean, I know he's they're they're co-show running this together. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe not. Uh, I, Who knows? What, I remember looking. I don't think that's true. I Okay. If I remember looking at the Wikipedia page, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they're both credited as the creators. And then this first one says it was written by both of them. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's going to continue into future episodes, but we'll I wonder see. how I would love to know what the process was, because I've read a lot of interviews and stuff where they just really spent a lot of time trying to figure out what is going to be the tone. What is the time period? How much how self-referential do we want to get that kind of stuff? And I just wonder, like, what that process yeah. was like. I feel like maybe they could have been reined in a little bit on yeah. some of that. Like the the references are. See, I disagree. Many. They I, are I, many in number. I disagree, and I felt like I got I gave the wrong impression about me being down on the show because I feel like a lot of people thought that we both were disappointed, and I really enjoyed it. And I was saying, I was trying to say that walking that fine line of being a love letter to Breaking Bad and rewarding Breaking Bad fans uh, without it becoming a farce or I mean, there was parts of this that started to almost feel, especially in the second episode, like an SNL skit. Like, like if, like if, this Bob, Odenkirk, long if and... Bob Odenkirk had come in on season five of Breaking Bad to guest host SNL, mm-hmm. and they'd gotten Raymond Cruz, uh, and, and they did like a skit about what that would be like, 
it, it, yeah. But, but again, it's like, how close can you get to that point to maximize the awesome before you drop off and fall into that yeah. valley of parody? And uh-huh. I think that they did a brilliant job of walking that line where a couple of points I was getting ready to be like, oh, come on. But they put a little twist on it or they, you know, called on a little bit of knowledge out of the characters that made it okay. All right, uh, I can respect that. I, I, I certainly, I, I mostly agree, especially in this first episode. I think in the second episode they went too far with some with a lot of things. Yeah, uh, and I, and that kind of like I watched them back to back, so that kind of colored my perception of the first one. Yeah, significantly. Um, but th- there is a scene in here that I didn't really like too much, uh, which we'll talk about later. But I feel like we should just get into the recap and I just want to make one more it. observation. Okay. Um, if I were to ask you, what is Aaron's biggest bugaboo with television? Like, what's the thing that really jars me out of something? What is it? Uh, co- unbelievable coincidences. Okay. Damn it. I got two. <laughs> what's, the, what's the second one? Uh, poor characterizations? Uh, Inconsistent characters? Tone. Okay. Like a tone, like not knowing whether you're being funny or being like tragic or being sad. Oh, okay. Tonal conflict is what yeah. really bugs me, takes me out of entertainment. I would say if I was to pinpoint your biggest problem or consistent criticism of television, it tends to be with pacing. Probably, yeah. Like you say that like, you know, when we're talking about, and I know that that was kind of a barrier to you getting into Mad Men. Oh, yeah. So you had to make a couple attempts before you kind of got what was going Same on. Same with True Detective, yeah. Same with True Detective. So I can see where this would be, uh, you'd be hypersensitive to that. Yeah, and while we were watching the first two episodes, I was constantly saying, you know, this is entertaining, but it hasn't hooked me yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's wrapped up kind of in that pacing, right? Like yep. I want I want the thing that's going to excite me to the point where I'm invested. Sure. Uh, and I I don't know, looking, looking back at episode one, it's better than I gave it credit for. But, man, episode two, uh, we'll talk about that. Maybe after tomorrow. a second watch, I'll feel the same way. But we'll get to talk I about it tomorrow. It. You don't have yeah. to wait long. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's get into the recap. We start off with a, what I think is an awesome Cinnabon montage here. Uh, it's it's a cooking montage. It's Breaking Bad's <laughs> literal cooking montage for Cinnabon. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting how it started off, like, funny. And then it got kind of scary and tense, and then it just got sad. Yeah, as he's sitting yeah. there watching his glory years, um, and I thought there was such so much interesting parallels between this and the Granite State episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're both kind of it. I mean, this is I guess Saul's idea of a wasteland, and it's he's isolated, he's completely alone. And, and I like that address unknown song because it it puts you in that space of where are we? What are right. we? How did this character get here? What's right. going on? And it's all in black and white. And then we see just the barest hints of color in the reflection of his glasses as he's watching his you know glory years. And yeah. I thought that was so cool that this is it the is. man who's had all the Saul Goodman beat out of him. Yeah, yeah. Even all uh, the even all the slipping Jimmy. It's just all <laughs> sure. gone. He's a husk. Yeah, he is a, a cinnamon-covered husk. <laughs> I, I'm impressed, though, with Saul Goodman's trim figure. If I worked at a Cinnabon, mm. it would be scary. It yeah. would be scary. Yeah, that's the end of it. If I worked at a Chipotle, it'd be all Oh, over. my God, yeah. You 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 would be <laughs> 350 pounds within a year. Sure, maybe faster. Uh, <laughs> do you think they'll stick with black and white for all the future scenes, all, all the 
Well, I mean, how many future Stuff scenes do you think we have? present of the show. How many future scenes do you think we have in store? I think there are going to be more, certainly. Um, do you think there's going to be a parallel story about the rise of Saul Goodman and the fall of Saul Goodman? Might be interesting. Uh, it, Like I said, in the instant cast, it definitely reminded me of uh, the, the teddy bear around the pool yeah. scenes in Breaking Bad where they had just the one piece of color and, then splash of and color, the otherwise sure. black and white film. Uh and they did that several times, so I assume they're coming back with that again at some point. That would be kind of interesting. Do you, in a kind of a memento type of way, um, how far do you think we're going to have to go until we find get to Saul? Because they teased oh, it. Wow. They set it up hmm. right here in the beginning. Like, you know, you can't do you just like, I need to talk about your name, my name. Um, yeah. How many episodes do we go before he comes up with the Saul Goodman? I think he's going to be fighting those guys, the the lawyers, for a while. Uh-huh. The law firm is that like uh, a season? one I think arc? maybe a season one. Yeah, so maybe that, we'll get through season climax. one. He'll he'll start up his own practice as Saul Goodman. I don't know because there's got to be a lot of Tuco in this as well. Setting him up so early, knowing that he doesn't die throughout this whole thing. I, there's got to be a lot of interaction. I there. wonder how much Tuco will actually get, and how much we'll be dealing with his lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can see Raymond Cruz. He's still busy on, um, is it the cold game? I forget what he's doing, but he still has a like a show that he's working on. Yeah, he does. I, I don't remember the name of it. So, all right. Well, yeah, I guess we're kind of already into the episode. The Maybe we should get back to it. That's the, the closer. That's right. Yep. All right. Um, so, yeah, he pours himself a drink. He sits down and watches commercials. And that then we a, go. That, that seems like a great drink. It seems like he... <laughs> Saul Goodman, or whoever he is in Omaha, Nebraska, has a decent amount of money. He's drinking Dewars, which isn't like top yeah. shelf, but it's not bad. And what 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 would you call that drink? I don't know. Um, it seems delicious, and I love the fact that he doesn't even bother to stir it. It's just booze on top of booze with lemon or lime juice. And so that first sip is all lemon. Not even a finger swizzle. Not no. even a, a jo- you know, swirl. The gla- it's just whatever, man. I've had that's. I'm not even drinking for the taste anymore. It's just. <laughs> it's just something I do. Yep. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know what that drink is called. If anybody knows what Drambuie uh, whiskey and lemon juice is called, let us know because uh, I might like to mix some up here in the studio. Give it mm. a shot, and I will actually mix, mix mine. <laughs> You will? Yeah. No, I think you need to go oh. uh, the layered. You need like a layer cake first. Maybe it's supposed Sol to be style. a layered drink. La- mm-hmm. I doubt it. Like a like a one of those birthday cake cocktails? Uh-huh. Hey. We find out this has to be quite a while after Breaking Bad because Saul has lost all of his hair, almost. A lot. Although, a good chunk of it. I mean, he's holding on to the barest minimum right. required for it to be called hair. Sure. Well, I mean, I started going bald when I had my son. I think it can... All right. Stre- stress stress can, does it. Can do it for sure. Uh, didn't have any gray in my beard back then either. Nope. Uh, God damn it. Kids, man. Uh, what do you think of the title sequence? It's weird. It ends so abruptly that I almost thought something had gone wrong. Yeah, and I was... It's kind of low rent in a way uh, that I guess is fitting with Saul, and I was underwhelmed because there's been a lot of really great, like, the Americans, man. The Americans has an awesome title sequence. It's short and punchy, and it's driving, and this is kind of, like, slow and meandering. Yeah. But then Breaking Bad's title sequence is nothing to write home about. It's just smoke and a couple of letters. And a little bit and of a musical note. Like a rattlesnake rattle at the end. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at the even more simple example of Lost. Lost had a very... 
uh, and then memorable. Style. And yeah, yeah, just one note. The Ariel letters Bold lost. Getting fuzzy. Yeah, that's it. And mm-hmm. it it was effective because you knew, sure. like you know, what it should tell you, what show you're watching, and also it put you in a, a mood for that show. Yeah, what's tantalizing is it was a completely different one for episode two. Yeah, and I wonder if they're going to do that. I kind of think that would be cool if it was a slightly different, uh-huh. you know, a little bit of a different cut, which I know you don't watch Banshee, but I was like most of the way through season two before I realized that the credit sequences is slightly different every time huh. and okay. in a way that informs the story. Oh, yeah. And once I did, it's like, God damn it, I'm going to have to go back and watch all the intros to see. <laughs> but I thought that's I, – I dig that when there's something a little different each time. Yeah. Or like Walking Dead does when they change it between seasons. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I don't like for the credits to stay static the whole time. Yeah. This time it's a big inflatable Statue of Liberty, and we know where that comes from. Sure. Uh, anyway, everyone Saul's in – Saul's all. In uh, we, we go to present day. <laughs> everyone in the courtroom is waiting for Jimmy McGill. Uh, they send the bailiff to the bathroom to go get him, and he comes back with this impassioned speech, uh, trying to get his defendants off the hook. You know, and it seems to be a reasonable speech. And I'm thinking, yeah, these guys, these kids beat a mailbox. Maybe yeah. they cherry bomb the bathroom. No big deal. Yeah, what's you know what? What are you gonna do? They're kids. And then the guy whips out the tape and plays it for the jury. As soon as and... the, the TV got wheeled out, <laughs> yep, I knew. by the prosecutor, I'm like, oh. Oh, this is this is going to be something crazy. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they show a video of the kids cutting off the head of a corpse and having sex with it. They didn't show the latter part, but yeah, yeah. I, I was. It definitely happened. <laughs> I was wondering when this was happening. I was like, man, how explicit are they going to get with this? How like is it just going to be shocked jurors not wanting to make eye contact? We just are left to imagine what we're seeing. But I, uh-huh. I liked how they kind of again they walked a nice balance between. Showing how awful what these kids did, but yes, sparing us the actual, you know, you know, kind of yeah, the 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 full penetration, slipping Jimmy. Has... They, they spared us the slipping. <laughs> oh my god! All right, uh, so he goes out to his car and he stops at the uh, the booth where he gets his check. Seven hundred bucks for this this case, and uh, apparently it took a lot of time. No wonder public defenders. Are not the way yeah. to go. That seems pretty low. Although um, I think it'd be fun if you were independently wealthy and you were passionate about the law to just be a public defender, like just be a badass public defender. Like prosecutors shit their pants when they, oh fuck, take, I drew this guy. Yeah, take like one case uh, every few like, months. And give it the and rain. Really give it the Matt Damon it. Rainmaker treatment. Like I'm <laughs> taking you down, motherfucker. That uh-huh. would be awesome. Like you'd be the legal equivalent of Batman. Sure. Who doesn't want to be the legal equivalent of Batman? Saul Goodman could be the legal equivalent of Batman, and I would watch that show. Just saying. All right. Would he have to wear a mask? No. All Just right. cheap. I don't think they'd suit, let him wear a mask. Off the suit, uh, you know, men's warehouse style. Yeah. All right. Anyway, he gets a call Suits. in the parking lot. He pretends to be his own secretary, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, and he asked Total if the mis- client can meet him at a cafe. Total Miss Doubtfire. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a British woman's accent. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, good good job, Bob Odenkirk. That was effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he tells him, meet me at the cafe instead of the office, because as we find out soon, his office is shit. Horror show. Uh, I really like here where he walks out. Here's another Breaking Bad nod. He walks out toward a car, which is a really nice Cadillac. And you're thinking, oh, man, he drives a pretty nice car. A lot better heel than we think. <laughs> he, which, as we know from Breaking Bad, that is the car he drives. Exactly the car. Uh-huh. 
And and so we're thinking, yeah, that could be his car. But no, he's driving this shitty. We what did we find out it was? I thought it was a, a some sort of Geo Metro or what is the the other Geo Metro that's not the the, uh, the other Geo. Yeah, um, there's another Geo, not the Tracker. There's the other one that's more of a sedan. But anyway, Prism. It's, yes, Geo Prism. Yeah. It's a it's a Suzuki Esteem. Yeah, it's which a, is funny all around. Yeah, no, it's a Suzuki Esteem. It is a Suzuki. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that's somehow worse, right? I, the fact that 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 car is called Esteem. Uh-huh. It's like my first car was a 1985 Chevy Celebrity, hmm. and let me tell you, I did not feel like a celebrity driving it. <laughs> I felt like I was driving a shit box because I was. Yeah, I had a 1990 Chevy Corsica. Mm. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. Not bad. Didn't make me feel like a celebrity, but it didn't need to. No. But Corsica, what the hell is that? That's like some kind of pirate, probably. Yeah, that's the that, that actually those are the guys that uh, killed ca- or tried to kill Captain Picard in the Next Generation. They ran his heart through. <laughs> yes, Corsicans, right? Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he tries to get out of the parking lot, but Mike is standing there, not letting him out because he doesn't have the right number of tickets. Mike is a stickler for the rules, and immediately we're wondering how the hell does Mike the Man Trout end up in this fucking booth. From what we yeah. know, of or his start backstory. in this booth, yeah. Uh, well, no, I guess also end up if he was a detective. This is this is not his final destination, <laughs> but this is a weird waypoint for him to be stuck at. Yeah, and knowing everything we know about his personality, what this must be like. I also like what this says about Saul, or sorry, Jimmy's state. He doesn't want to pay the three dollars. It's worth his time to go back in, get a sticker, and come back out. Even though we know that the trip takes like ten minutes. On the elevator, up and down. Uh, three bucks. It's man, not worth paying the man $3. The man is, is is broke. Yeah. Definitely broke. We'll find out more about that later. Uh, he meets with the client um, at the cafe. We find out the the uh, client's being investigated for embezzlement. Uh, $1.6 million from the county treasury. Yep. It's a good, good chunk of money. You think he's guilty? Yes. That boat says guilty all the way. Ah. Unless, oh yes. I mean... I suppose he could have, like, he's driving a shitty car, right? I suppose he could be spending all of his money on the boat, not none of his money on the car. Sure. But it's a kinda, boat that big is expensive. You know, it's kind of like the Schrader conundrum. How does a radiation <laughs> tech and a DEA, DEA agent, agent afford yep. a million-dollar home in Albuquerque with nice vehicles and all that stuff? So yeah, sometimes there's no there there, but I feel like you're right. The boat, The boat is... I think it's a clue. It's a clue. All right. Uh, he wants them to sign a contract to represent them, um, but the wife wants to sleep on it, and then he gives them on the way out a matchbook with his name and phone number on it, and they take off. And I think that was... I don't know why this guy was going to sign with Saul. And then she kind of took one look at him and kind of feel got a little bit of an ambul- ambulance-chasing vibe from him and decided they needed a... They they needed a different McGill yeah. to, to represent them. Yeah, he's giving off desperation. That look on his face as he's watching like the said, pin. It's just like when, you know, I had my old dog <laughs> and he saw me walking towards the uh, you know, the food bag. Mm-hmm. You know, started lick he's literally licking his chops, like, oh man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, yeah. you don't you don't want that. <laughs> uh the the actress here is also in Fargo. She plays the wife of the sheriff. The, 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 yeah, the chief. The gets the chief. Or, it's a chief, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 
Is it a spoiler to say? I don't gets, think it's a spoiler to say he gets killed in the very first murdered, episode. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. That's not spoiling much of that show. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of actually the premise of that show. And you so. should see Fargo. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was cool to see her again in this. Uh huh. Jimmy drives home. He's on the phone. He's reading a credit card. He is trying to order flowers for this client. When he hits a guy on a skateboard, something that's classy but not expensive. <laughs> looks classy. Uh, looks expensive, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out these guys are a couple of scammers, and Saul immediately susses that out and flips it around on him, and they just take off running. The other thing about uh, his car, not only is it like the it's it's the Pontiac Aztec of Pontiac Aztecs, like you know what I'm saying, like the King of Kings. It's a Pontiac Aztec of the Pontiac Aztecs. It's like the worst of the worst. Yeah. Um, it's missing its headrest. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Which makes it a death trap. Like, if he gets hit 15, 20 miles an hour in a bumper, his neck is snapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also never wears a seatbelt. Yeah. He drives like a maniac. He does. Why he's talking on a cell phone and looking at his credit card. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if, I, yeah. if I wasn't... Entirely certain that he wasn't going to die before the end of the season or the end of the series, uh-huh. I would think that this car would be the death of him. Yeah, this, so this is a classic shot where I'm like, oh, man, they're about to have him hit something. Like, the whole time I was thinking that because, sure, you know, he's that's driving the like shot you use and, yep. when you want someone to uh, hit something in spectacular fashion. Sure. Uh, I don't get the Starlight Express reference. It is a musical of some kind by Andrew Lloyd Webber, but I... Really? I don't fucking get it. Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Uh, rock musical. I don't know. Oh. I, I, I looked it up briefly, but I, I think it's a reference you have to have seen the thing to get. Mm. What was that rock musical that we saw for a bald movie once? Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't really like those style musicals, but I like that one. All right. And Hairspray. That's pretty good. So he goes back to his office, which is in the very back of a nail salon. I can't imagine ever inviting a client back here. Like, oh, God, no. You're sitting next to a water heater. They can't get in the door. Yeah. Uh, it's at the back of a nail salon. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's the worst of worst offices as well. And his landlord, like, she has the, the chutzpah to charge him money to stay in her boiler room. Mm-hmm. And she also denies him cucumber water. <laughs> yeah. It's for customers only. It's like, okay, I'm paying you money to to, uh, to to shack up in your fucking closet. I can't get cucumber water? Can I use your bathroom? Is that for... <laughs> or do I have to go piss out in the alley? What the fuck? Yeah, just take the top off the hot water heater and piss in that. Right. That's what I say. But I do like her point of like, you know, you, you why do you work with people who have sex with heads? <laughs> yeah no it's fair uh you know somebody's got to defend him though right yeah true somebody's got to that's why our justice system works so well we have we have we have principles everyone sure. gets a fair defense yep uh anyway he's back there checking his messages he doesn't have any he looks through his mail and he has something there a big ass check made out to him and it is a shock when he tears that up mm-hmm. i really love this scene because they set this guy up as having no money right and then when he tears a twenty six thousand dollar check up you're like what is this man yeah, doing? He's lost his goddamn mind. It's an exclamation point. Yeah, and uh, the shot through the ceiling, like through those, 
through what in Breaking Bad they would have pulled out a ceiling tile sure. and shot through it and let you like think, oh, they're shooting through the ceiling. Here, it's just like they're permanently gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really like that. Yeah, the a lot. drop ceiling's gone. And there was, I forget, maybe it was Seven Wall. He talked about how um, it's very evocative of like prison bars. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's or a or a, uh, a cage. He's like caged up in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt this is a very Breaking Bad scene. The camera angle, the feel. Yeah. Uh, this this felt very piloted. This is uh, Walter. What am I to do? What mm-hmm. What am I to do, Walter? You know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other thing about that check is that he is a named partner at a law firm, and you're like. Or it appears that way. Sure. You're like, what is he doing in this room? Because that's why you pause it. It's a Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. What uh-huh. the? Yeah. It's how? made out to him. It's a massive amount of money. Why is he here? Sure. Sure. So brilliantly set up uh, as far as that's concerned. This nail salon. Let's talk about it in relation to Breaking Bad. We mm-hmm. know that uh, at some point, Saul Goodman has set somebody up as a uh, a front with a nail salon. This could potentially be that, I guess. Um, do you I think would, I, I'm pretty sure that this has con- been confirmed. It is this nail salon. Okay. Uh, do you think it's going to be a front for Tuco's operation? I don't think so. I don't think Tuco's no. that okay. involved. So it's going to be somebody else along the line that we see Not Jimmy think, get involved with? I'd so, so uh, I Man, there's a lot of stuff in in that second episode that is kind of in in into that. No, I, when I say Tuco's operation, I'm kind of including I know, everyone in that. I know. Okay. I, I feel like that this is a question of when is because at at so far we see Saul. Yes, he's trying to scam the legal system, and one evidence is he's trying all three defendants in one trial because he's <laughs> he's thinking, oh yeah, I found the loophole. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get twenty one hundred bucks. If I did the math right, I'm gonna get twenty one hundred bucks yeah. for one case, mm-hmm. and then the legal system's like, "Nope, we're gonna scam you right back." So, but he's still good try. He's still operating within the law. Yeah, although I don't know what he pulls with the the twins is is legal. No, it's not certainly. But he certainly sees it as you know maybe it's not conventional, but it's not criminal. When is he going to go from? This guy who's got high-minded ideals and is trying to be an officer of the court, yeah, to a criminal lawyer, you know, sure, that's I, not chips to Scarface. That's I don't know what you would call that. I don't either. I don't know if there's a super fair comparison. Sleazy there, to but scumbag. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. That journey is going to be interesting to watch. Certainly, uh, you can tell that Saul, you know, has kind of the the roots of what makes Saul Saul in this, right. but but he's definitely not crossed any of those kind of lines yet right and so watching him get there is gonna be cool uh he goes into the hhm law office and he goes right into the boardroom during a meeting he gives a a couple of quotes from network Mm -hmm. and we find out that his brother who is a partner at this law firm so it's not jimmy who's a partner uh he's also sick he hasn't worked there in a long time and they've been sending him stipend checks or trying to send him stipend checks and so that's what the $26,000 check was. Um, they're, they're trying to do that instead of buying him out of the firm. Sure. Um, and you noticed something here as he goes up in the uh, the elevator or as he gets into the elevator with the trash can. The trash can's pre-dented. Yeah. So I, are they trying to imply that this is not the first time he's gone to HH&M and been disappointed. <laughs> like this, I think that's fair. This is his yeah. frequent target of rage, or are we going to then? Because I, 
I'm kind of interested in whether this show is going to play around with time. Yeah. Are we going to jump? Are we ever going to get to see Slippin' Jimmy in his heyday? Are we going to see, like, uh, you know, his going through law school, taking the bar exams? Like, where exactly are we going to be rooted in the time? That's a good question because I don't feel like they did a great job de-aging these people. Like yeah. Mike kind of looks a little older than Mike looked ba- in Breaking and, and Bad. And Tuco and and Bob Oden, There's only so much you can do with Raymond Cruz yeah. and Bob Odenkirk because the reality is they're like almost a decade older. But I have seen some really good de aging like, jobs, and these weren't them. Well, but I, do you like think a Brad did in sort of in the uh, Benjamin Button stuff. Well, Jesus, I, I realize that's, that's a much higher budget. Pitt. I mean, yeah, like you can make Angelina Jolie look like she's 18. What's your point? Wait, why the fuck does it matter who it is? Come They're on. They're still looking older. You cut, take 30 it's years budget. off of Danny DeVito's a lot fucking harder than taking 20 <laughs> years off of ben, of you know Brad Pitt, I'm just saying. You're saying the shape that they're in. You get the lump of they... clay that you get, okay? So, <laughs> so You also get the budget that you get, and but that's you know, a fucking movie. But I think sometimes Vince might do that as a stylistic choice. Like, you know, it's always kind of a put-on when you see this stuff. So, like, when I want to shoot Aaron Paul... And Brian Cranston in the finale of Breaking Bad, I'm not going to make worry the fact that Aaron Paul does not anywhere uh, resemble his physical or facial appearance in the the first season of Breaking Bad. Yeah, I'm going to try. So maybe he's doing that like, you know, yeah, he's got more hair and slightly more makeup, but I'm not going to sweat the fact that, you know, I'm not going to make Bob sit in the makeup chair for six hours a day. (laughs) <laughs> just so people will be like, oh, wow, look how But it's that bo- attention to detail that we love so much about Breaking Bad, right? But what details do we love? Like, if, if, can that be a stylistic choice where it's like... Maybe. You know, I, was, I was just a like little disappointed. Like in Shakespeare's days, all the women were played by men. Mm-hmm. How much did Shakespeare sweat the fact that his men were sexy and had nice legs and had, sure. you know, believable cheekbones? Like, did he care? Or was he just more interested in, you know, telling, telling the story? His, exactly. Yeah. I'm just asking questions. All I don't right. Know. All right. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll see. All right. See what they do with time. I don't know. Uh, on the way out of the law office, Hamlin tries to get Jimmy to take some paperwork to his brother. Jimmy says, go fuck yourself. And he also spies Hamlin talking to his would-be clients that he met with the cafe. Um, and he just feels completely completely dejected. He goes downstairs, he kicks a trash can, and he bums a smoke from the woman who was in the, the boardroom. Board yeah. Uh, I think her name is Kim. Chuck, Chuck, I think, mentions her later in another scene. Okay. And says, like, your friend Kim. I think that's who that is. So uh-huh. I don't... I don't know if she's a partner, uh, if she's maybe the other Hamlin, mm. um, or if she is. No, I don't think so because There's he no says she has a promising career and that yeah. could be snuffed out. She's not. I, I've, maybe she's a junior partner, but why is she yeah. associated with Jimmy? I don't know. They 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 are friends apparently. Yeah. Um, and obviously, but she's unwilling to help him in this scene. So. We talked about the uh, trash can, but that's an homage to the paper towel dispenser, right? From season two of Breaking Bad and season yeah. five. No, definitely. It's a pretty good one. I like it. Um, and did okay. you get the what? The, um, did you get what Hamlin was trying to do by giving him the paperwork to give to Charlie? Yeah, he's trying to get work 
stuff to okay. Chuck's house so that it looks like he's still working on it's cases. It's a Tom Hagen, like, now if I, uh, Kay, if I take that letter from you, yeah. they could prove in a court of law that I know, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, they could prove he was still working on active sure, cases sure. and right. all that stuff. Um, so Jimmy goes home to a, a bizarre setup here. He puts his phone, his watch, his keys in the mailbox. Mm-hmm. He goes inside and he grounds himself on some metal object. Uh, his his brother's typing up a letter to some foreign uh, doctor or foreign professor. And uh, Jim, Jimmy tells him, hey, you're out of cash. Yeah. Um, you need to cash out of the firm. He says, I can't, I can't support us anymore. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the scene. I, let's take it from there. Okay. Let's talk about that. Um, I, I like how they set this scene up. It's, it feels very bizarre. I mean, they, they've been doing this throughout the entire episode so far, right? Like setting up things that seem very strange, but then they all have great explanations. And I like that, you know, Breaking Bad did that a lot. Um, the show is kind of continuing that tradition, and it works for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you felt about it, but um, it also is interesting to see the difference between Saul or Jimmy and his brother. Um, in this scene, Jimmy is much more concerned about money. Mm-hmm. Chuck is much more concerned about the people that that money is supporting. Um, but he's also a little kooky. Oh, more than a little. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he's he's okay when he's in his own house and everyone is grounded. But that's, that's no, that's not okay. No, no, no. He, he, he can interact normally with people once they've gone through his okay, weird okay. ass procedures. Sure, sure. All right. But yes, he's very much not, not normal. Yeah. Um, I... I kind of sympathize a little bit with Saul here about being all about the money because apparently he has been supporting both himself and his brother on that shitty $700 a defendant salary. Which is bullshit. How does that ever, how does that ever happen? Like, well, he doesn't want him to take those checks. So, yeah, but what has his brother done? If his brother was a named partner in a law firm, does he have nothing to show for it? I mean, I'm yeah, very yeah. curious to see how Chuck got in this predicament. Did he go through a nasty divorce? Mm-hmm. And this is like his way of shutting out like, you know, um, I'm having panic attacks at work, so it must be radiation. I need to have all my electricity shut off and just live in my house like a like a hermit, although he says yeah. he's not a recluse <laughs> um, later he on. He just can't leave because all of the electromagnetism. No, like what, what happened to him? Was it which came first, the crippling, um, you know, uh, psychosomatic mental aff- affliction uh did he have a divorce that was caused by that it's like you know he he doesn't have there's no woman there there's no kids there's no evidence of any of that has he been a a weird guy his whole life potentially i mean i so i think within the last year or potentially two he has kind of taken his leave of absence um and gone full recluse I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that stuff doesn't just happen overnight, right? Yeah. It builds on top of, of yeah. years of that. Right. But I'm just thinking, like, how, why would he, why would Jimmy have to support him? Because he was a successful lawyer. You'd think he'd yeah. have some kind of cash he could draw on. You'd think so. And he's not out of it. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, this guy was not, yeah, he's off his rocker, but he's not. Seems like he could work from home. Maybe? Or. Like passing papers back and forth, or he at least be aware, well aware enough that hey, my bills are not getting paid. Yeah, I'm about to run out. None of this should be a surprise to him. He doesn't seem like he's mentally incompetent. 
um, from like yes. a legal standpoint. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm really curious to see how he got here mm-hmm. and where he goes from here. Like, what's this arc? Yeah. Definitely. Because uh, Jimmy uh, sees him as, I mean, I thought it was just his payday, but he seems like he really cares about his brother. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and and you can tell that he kind of doesn't, he he definitely doesn't think that his brother's going to just snap out of this and beat it, as as Chuck says. Uh, he's trying not to say that to him, though. He's trying very hard to not get him riled, like just to placate him. Yeah, he's really, really got the kid gloves on. Like, and he's not saying something like "You're crazy." This electromagnetic stuff is crazy. Yeah, even though he clearly believes that to be true. Yeah, and I wonder why. I, I don't. He's the younger brother. He's got a lot of respect for his older brother. He's he is attempting to ride on his coattails, and he doesn't. Somewhat. Yeah. And he know, he thinks that this is there is a bit of this like, hey, this is could be our payday for both of us. Sure. Sure, I mean, 17 million bucks would go a long way for Plus, both of them. He's an, Chuck is an idiot. If he thinks that the Hamlins are going to go out of business because they have to buy his partner out, their partner out, there's there's no way. That's the thing is, mm-hmm. like, he does seem incredibly naive. Maybe so. And I don't know if he's gotten that way or if he's always been that way. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. The, the thing that really struck me about this scene is we find out that Jimmy has... Nothing really. I mean, aside from his his brother, uh, and and his home there. I mean, Jimmy is is having everything taken from him, and especially when we get to the his end of this name. scene. I know when we get to the end of the scene, and Chuck is t- saying, "Hey, Hamlet doesn't want you to use the McGill name in your law practice." I mean, he's he's not only in that moment having his name taken away from him, which would be bad enough, but he's having his brother turned against him as well. Yeah. And that's the last thing he really has. Sure. So it's like you get a, an entirely pathetic picture from Jimmy here, and it's really effective. Uh, and I thought this was one of the most interesting parts of the show. Yeah, like when far. when your crazy brother who's living in the dark with rotten bacon pulls you aside and says, "Look at your life. Look at your choices, Jimmy." <laughs> tries to pay, patronize you. That's hard to take, man. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you don't want to say, look who's talking. Yeah, like every once in a while I've had the experience where a person that I don't like or respect, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, I'm a pretty good job of being civil to people, but like a coworker, and they will mistake my tolerance of their bullshit as like me genuinely liking them, and then they'll try to give me advice, mm-hmm. and it's one of the hardest things to do. Like someone that you think is an idiot, mm-hmm. like claps his hands on his shoulder and tries to give you like career advice... Uh, and like your head is like wanting to just explode and flip off and like, well, what do you do? You're still working at this. You can't just beat them to death. That's crime. Number one, you get fired. Number two, uh, I don't, and if it's your family, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. So yeah, rough stuff. At least he doesn't have a power bill to pay. How about that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Jimmy goes to the skate park where the guys he hit earlier are at the skateboard twins, as I'll call them. Uh, he tells him the story of Slip and Jimmy, and he offers them a target for their scam in exchange for a finder's fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, offers them their biggest payday ever, so hard to turn that down. I, I love the story of Slip and Jimmy. I like the way they filmed this. I uh, I can't remember who, because I've read so many reviews and stuff, but someone said that this was a, a Sermon on the Mound style. 
mm-hmm. that Jimmy is like Jesus, and the two guys, they're like his disciples sitting there. You know, it's like story sure. time, He's passing off his wisdom, and 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 yeah, like they had their carpet squares and their milk boxes, and they're just listening to him, uh, oddly respectful to this stranger. I I thought it was, uh, just I it's good. I I thought it was immensely entertaining when when Jimmy gets on a roll and starts Saul yeah. Goodmaning. It's I mm-hmm. very very entertaining. Yep, good stuff. And, and the whole like you know like uh, he grabs her phone. It's like you know I'm I'm number one speed dial right next to your weed deal. He's like <laughs> slipping all this passive aggressive insults as he's bringing uh-huh. them along. Like it's like I'm going to give you an attaboy and now I want to give you a smack on the bottom. It's it's sure. great. Yeah, this is where I start to have a problem with the episode. Um, the, the next couple of scenes, uh, he takes these kids over to Can a we, house bef- before you get here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in this commercial break, they played in its entirety, at least in the second showing, the Better Call Saul song. Oh, yeah. Saul, Saul, which mm-hmm. has been stuck in my head, and I also hate. Like, I hate this. <laughs> you hate how amateur it seems. It's. Do you think that's on purpose, though? I don't know, because they spent a lot of time and money to do it, and they're uh-huh. clearly proud of it. Mm-hmm. But at some point, like, they're starting to sing about the guy in the ice cream truck, and I'm like, come you can't defend pedophiles, man. <laughs> I guess you have to if you're a public defender. But you pin, you, you defend but this is head fuckers. Like this isn't the public defender is. shit. This is like his commercial. Like you better call Saul. Yes. And I'm uh-huh. like, ah, uh, these these guys trying to molest kids with an ice cream truck. Yeah, you're creepy. the hero of the show. Like this is some season five shit you should be getting up to. I I don't know. Plus, All yeah, right. I just don't like the song. Yeah, and it's stuck on my head and it's not helping matters. <laughs> Caught myself singing in the shower this morning. I'm like, what the fuck? What am I doing? What am I? I had Look a moment. At my choices. I had a <laughs> moment of clarity. Uh, I had a moment of clarity. All right. So he takes the twins over to a house and has them memorize a car. And then he takes them to a street corner outside Cafe Lush and explains the plan. And here's where I, I you felt don't like, like things started I'm, to fall apart. You don't like it. I was eating it up. I... It's too much for something that isn't going to play to pan out. But see, I think that's what's brilliant about it. It's applying the same level of detail and impressiveness and we're like ooh and ah that you would give George Clooney explaining a casino heist in an Ocean's 11, 12, 13 movie. That's fine, but to I don't... this low stakes uh-huh. whole crackpot playing, which you already know 30 seconds into it is going to – you don't know how. Yeah, but it's going to blow up. And, and I was amazed at how explosively bad it went and yeah. where it you know went and with Tuco. Sure. But I think that was kind of brilliant. This detailed explanation does not strike me as Saul. Does really? not strike me as Jimmy. Yeah, I'm – if you go back to Breaking Bad and you watch when he's interacting with Walter Jesse, he's just very much like surface details – We'll get it done. Goodbye. Well, so he's not like memorize this car. What color is it? He's not George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven. He's he's another guy who comes in, kind of flies by the seat of his pants and assumes everything will be okay. No, in Breaking Bad, we'd see if this was a Breaking Bad story, we'd see Saul swear revenge on the Hamlins. He'd go to the park and say, I have a business proposition for you two. And then we'd cut to those twins standing on the corner. And we'd be like, what the hell is the plan? And Fine. we'd see it walk. Yeah. But it's not. And they but took I don't this want opportunity. a 10-minute scene of them setting up a plan. But what didn't it, you like about it? It's Saul Goodman being hilarious. And two doofuses. I mean, maybe it was just too much Saul Goodman being hilarious. Because that seems like all the show yeah. is trying to be at the beginning. 
No, that and, I, and, and it's Breaking different because, like I said, ways. Breaking Bad would you would say he they would have basically announced a a ha- a plot is being hatched, a scheme yeah. is being born, and then you would see the pl- the the scheme happening. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. You weren't a pr- you weren't privy to like you know they went from Walt saying we need methylamine to the methylamine caper, and you're like yeah. halfway through before you realize what the hell's going on. Yeah, you better and call Saul. In retrospect, the people who have to be detailed about this shit, like yeah. Hank, yeah, would kind of explain in in rough details. I mean, he wouldn't even be like dwelling on it for ten minutes. He'd, yeah, he'd just say, "Oh, this was dumb of them to do it this right. way," and then they move on. I the but pacing in these scenes feels off to me. It's reductive for Walt to tell his plan and then show us the plan because Walter White telling us the plan is actually less interesting than just seeing the plan unfold. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, it's entertaining, I think, for Saul Goodman to tell us the plan, and then the plan that unfolds is not his plan. Yeah. Like, I don't, because he's not Walter White, and, you know, Walter White, stuff would go bad in the execution or in the result, but, like, the plan kind of went the way you could, you know, but Hmm. I felt like unless he explained the nuance of the car... Then we wouldn't see, and like it's a mercury, and what is it again? A mercury, and what? And we wouldn't see that, like, oh god, that's not a mercury; it's a fucking Ford. Sure, like, but like we, we know we they've that. already set up the exact scam. They've told the audience exactly sure. what is going to happen. Now they're doing it again, and I didn't. But I, I thought, didn't appreciate. That. I thought, I thought it was of, just redundant. It was redundant to the point of disturbing me. Like, ah, uh, well, see, taking I, me out I disagree because I thought one of the pleasures was watching each part of the plan fall apart. And I wouldn't have had that pleasure if I didn't know what the plan was. But you knew what the plan was. The skateboard twins were the plan. They've executed this plan in this episode already. We know that's what they're planning to do. Okay, fine. Set up the car. And set up specifically that the car is the client's car. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. When you go to the corner and you explain in 10 minutes a a procedure that we already know as an audience, it gets annoying. How is this different from... The uh, Badger sitting on the bench against uh, Jimmy In and Out or whatever the hell his name was. Like that uh-huh. was the expl- plan explained, everything laid out. It's going hilariously wrong. Walt's got a shuck and jive. When did they explain the plan on that? Because uh, when he was given him like the black and white and like you know all the times he's been in the prison and he takes the fall and I guess they didn't explain. They didn't it explain this it. Detail. They explained it up front when he met with the cop uh-huh. and then got busted. That's what. That's the exact same thing they were going to do. They yeah. didn't have another scene where Saul explains the setup again. I guess I see your point. It's just I found all that entertaining and you didn't. You were restless. Okay. So there's not... Fair. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Neither are you. Neither are you. Thank you. <laughs> so Jimmy's in his, in his car. He's waiting for the Mercury to leave. He's practicing his razzmatazz. Uh, Which, that's a, that's a recurring motif. He loves to like psych himself up for this stuff. Yeah, he right? did it in the before the courtroom in the bathroom. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what he does. When when the car leaves, he calls the twins to warn him. Um, the twins execute the plan on the wrong car, and then they follow it. And, and Saul also call, uh, they call him, and he also follows them. Sure. Uh, it, I I found it interesting. Like once you know, once you realize, oh my god, here is. The, the client that he was uh, trying to get to sign the contract earlier, you then understand, oh, he's trying to parlay this also into getting the embezzlement contract as well. So he's not just scamming them once, he's scamming them twice. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and um, so that's the other thing I thought was interesting. When did you realize, I get 
because it was when they showed the woman getting into her car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing because they kind of set you up for an aha moment because you think this is just going to be an outright revenge against Hamlin or yeah. something like that. And uh-huh. I'm like, man, Hamlin's too slick for this. Like as as quick as Jimmy smoked this out, he's going to be even faster. Yeah. But I like that kind of like slight switcheroo. It wasn't like an earth shattering twist, but yeah. Yeah. No, it was a good plan. The, the problem execution is, was good, but um, yeah. the, the the Jimmy uh, Jimmy like uh, a lot of people in Breaking Bad before him doesn't have a good crew. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah, like the, these guys this these guys are not even as good as well. You know, Huel got the magic sure. fingers. Yeah, uh, I forget what what Red's name is. Um, Bill Burr. Yeah, Bill uh, Burr. Whatever his character is, he's got the gift of gab, and mm-hmm. and uh, he can pull off scams. These guys are just. They're not even the alpha or prototypes of those guys. Maybe he's going to train them up, like a, like a Jesse. Do you uh, want to see Je- more of these guys? I didn't really like them. I didn't like their face. I didn't like their <laughs> fact that they're twins. I didn't like their um, I liked them manner, okay. really. Yeah, you know, they, they kind of remind me of... It's uh, like if the, you know that one hippie dumbass on The Walking Dead that broke his ankle and then got his ba- brains bashed in last season... It's like they cloned uh, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He they they took that dude who's playing the penguin now in Gotham. They took that dude and they cloned him, and now this is a character. And I'm like, oh god, I don't know. I don't know okay. if I can stand a season of these guys. You might not have to. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So the car that these people are all following pulls into a driveway, and the twins stop, confront this old Hispanic lady who doesn't speak English, but They're invites just them into the house. Her, man. Yeah, uh, they're just saying dinero, si, dinero, uh-huh. mucho dinero. They're just yelling sp- the little Spanish words they know at her. Uh, and she finally gets, you know, the idea that she's, something's going weird here. Let's invite him in and sort it out. Mm-hmm. Jimmy shows up at the house. He knocks on the door. Door opens, and who else but Tuco pulls him into the house. That was surprising. And And... What's funny is, you know, he's rolling tough and he's like, uh, I'm an officer of the court. Open up in the name. That's the wrong. In the name of the law. When, when, yeah. when Tuco's face comes out, that's like, oh, God, <laughs> did you knock on the wrong fucking door, man? Yep. Oh, and, man. And made it worse with the words coming out of your mouth. Oh, oh man. It, it's, it was great. What did you think when you first saw Tuco? I was blown away. I was Because I stayed s- remarkably spoiler free. Yep, me too. Um, And I... I did. My jaw dropped. I knew Mike was going to be in this. I did not know. I that didn't Tuco know that was going to right. be in it. Yeah, especially from the pilot from the gate. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Um. So I, I was definitely shocked, and you know, I, I was shocked when the door opened and a gun pointed at his head. Because yeah, I was like, what the fuck? To but see Tuco. I when did you know it was Tuco? Because I as soon as I saw a sleeve, I'm like, no, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm the, glad you got that too. The just wild flowery pattern sure. on the shirts. Yeah, sure. He's known for those. Good stuff. Uh, th- like I said, this first episode in uh, my second viewing was a lot better. I just had a few small problems with this one as far as pacing goes as far as for you it's the second episode when the kind of week because if you yeah. did if you did not like the plotting and scheming mm. and belaboring of the plot i can see why and see in in episode two you started getting testy yeah yeah but we'll talk about that when we get there tomorrow yes 
Uh, so let's do some pimping. Uh, we had a big announcement that we were really looking forward to talking about on today's podcast, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, we have been beset by a bunch of unforeseen technical difficulties here with our feeds, and we've been wrestling them. Yeah, and we didn't have a chance as a result to get all the f- switches flipped to do the new hotness. So. Uh, the good news is, if you've ever been curious about how you can support Bald Move, you can always get the latest uh, and greatest information by going to support.baldmove.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon.com is a great way. Uh, you can straight up donate and give us cash. There's a lot of different options. Amazon.baldmove.com. Amazon.baldmove.com. Yeah. Excuse me. Amazon.com is just going to give money to Bezos. Don't want that. All the money. No. We we need yeah. we need the the to pay the copper price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think. That uh, the other thing we started to do is, you know, and a lot of our research and our surveys have shown that the vast majority of people listen to these podcasts like I listen to podcasts on my cell phone. Yeah. And uh, our show notes have been always kind of a mess. Not a a big wall of text. It's a big wall of text and there's some funny stuff. And then at the bottom, I give a bunch of like in a conversational term how you can contact us and support us. We're changing Mm -hmm. that around. So if you uh, are listening and you want to support us, you can actually – uh, more immediately access those links at the top of the show notes and get right to it. Yeah, and all the links are there. It'll take you right to our support page and and take you right to Amazon. Because we're independent podcasters. Uh, we don't got the AMC bucks. We don't got the Sony No, that is the dollars. only way we make money. This know? is, you guys, and, and you know, we don't have ads very often in the conventional sense uh, because, again, we're independent and that shit's hard to get, yo. Uh, <laughs> so you guys are the ones that make the magic happen. Yeah. Uh, go to support.ballmove.com if you're so inclined and yep. to help uh, see how you can help us out. And if not, thank you very much for listening. All right. Why don't we do some feedback? Sure. Uh, Paulo L is going to kick us off, said the black and white introduction, this introductory episode was absurdly breathtaking. I'm greatly excited that I'm able to delve in this universe again. But to be honest, I found it extremely difficult to sympathize with Jimmy. Because for those who are invested in this universe, we know the success that he ultimately becomes, <laughs> success being a relative uh, term in this world. But regardless, these little moments of sadness that we're supposed to sympathize with Jimmy, I just feel that the scene doesn't really evoke that. It might be a continued issue throughout the series, and I'm a little worried. Basically, interesting. Okay, you know, it's kind of like the Granite State episode. One of the issues I had with it was... It was a pitiless look at Walter. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I should be feeling sorry for him, but I wasn't. And this that cognitive dissonance was was kind of tripping to me for this guy who I had a lot of affection for to see that he's just really this kind of asshole. Yeah, I think that's what Pablo's getting at. Is that are we really supposed to feel sorry for this Jimmy guy who's lied, cheated, and scammed, and been involved in uh, up to the hilt and all these illegal activities? and directly involved in murders and cover-ups and all that stuff, are we really supposed to be sorry for his comfortable life managing a Cinnabon? I, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I didn't have a problem with it because, again, I felt like, man, this is sad. They this did is a, sad watching Saul do all this. They, they did a good job with his brother. Um, that, that helped a lot, making him sympathetic uh, in that he's trying to take care of his brother and do the right thing by him. Uh and and I guess just the way that everything is just shitting all over him makes him a little more sympathetic. And you know, eventually he's going to have a rise to power. Yeah, that's fine. Such as it um, is. But in in his current state, I didn't find it impossible to pity him, even if yeah, it was a little more difficult knowing the the future state of Saul. 
Uh, Matt P says, my personal timeline with Better Call Saul. I loved Breaking Bad. I wasn't thrilled about the concept of Better Call Saul. I didn't even plan on watching it. I was intrigued as people said it was good. And then finally, I decided to DVR it because what's the harm? At least I get to listen to another Bald Move podcast. Aw. Oh, hmm. nice. Then I watched it. Of course, in all capitals. Of course it's good. Did I think Villigan forgot how to make great television? <laughs> what was I thinking? That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. The cold, I mean, and plus, he already did this with the lone gunman. So not only do you have a professional. He's uh, made his mistakes. He, yeah. All yeah. Right. All right. It's like Bill Belichick had to fail utterly in Cleveland before he could go on his reign of fucking greatness with the goddamn Patriots. Um, I'm killing you with these sports references today, aren't I? Yeah, I have no I'm idea what you're talking about. just breaking your back with them. Buckle in. <laughs> uh, I'm still butthurt over I can't. Over the... I'm, I'm in Saul's car. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> what was I saying? Ah, the cold open was the best snippet of TV since I've seen the True Detective tracking shot. Huh. It's throwing us right back into Breaking Bad style. When Didn't you remember how in Breaking Bad he said he'd be managing a Cinnabon in Omaha? So great. So fucking great. Mm-hmm. Then he watches his commercials. Ah. This show can't be watched if you haven't seen all Breaking Bad, but if you have, this just might be great. Which, by the way, I'm sure you can yeah. tell. We are spoiler. We, we are a weapons-free spoiler environment here. Yeah. Uh, after we saw the first two episodes, we're like, this is a joke. Um, yeah. There's no way I can contain, at least I personally can't contain. No, I'm with you. I completely changed my mind after seeing the first two episodes. And, and I think that if you're the type of person that is spoiler-averse, you literally cannot watch Better Call Saul before you watch Breaking Bad. You definitely can't listen to this podcast. And you can't listen to this podcast because, well, I mean, I feel like Vince is just kind of flopping it out there. The intro. Yeah. The having Tuco involved. Like, there's tons of references. Mike? I mean. Yeah. You're talking about some really late season three, season four stuff. Yeah. No, it's all out there. Anyway, um, so I I totally felt like that. And I, again, in, in in hindsight, why would Vince Gilligan, coming off this flush success, one of the best television shows of all time, why would he voluntarily chain himself to some bullshit thing? At any time, he could just say, no, we're not doing it. It's funny, Matt, we're, we just couldn't make it work, whatever. We should have known better. Yeah, and ultimately, I'm, I'm known with that, him. That it wasn't going to be a, just a failure on its face. Yeah. Um, it's too too soon to crown crown him but i think it's also i i kind of feel it's stupid for thinking that it was just going to be dumb uh g hall said something i noticed about the opening of the first episode saw's life as gene the cinnabon guy is strikingly similar to how walt was living in the breaking bad pilot both are living lower middle class mundane lives growing old as they look back on their successful younger days back to when they were really alive hmm. yeah i was in comp- that way certainly i was going with the granite state comparison he's going with the pilot yeah uh, the only thing Walt had that Saul doesn't have is a family. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's a uh, slipping Jimmy. Uh, you know, maybe, sl- maybe, maybe slipping uh, Jimmy. You think slipping Jimmy had a family? I, I, it would be interesting to see him with a, uh, you know, a bastard. I guess a New Mexican bastard would probably be saying he was partying from winter to Labor Day on his found funds. Everybody, everybody wanted to be slipping Jimmy's fan. Yeah, friend. yeah, you might be right. So you know, big would, payday for slipping Jimmy is a payday for the town. I I think it would be interesting to have him, you know, uh oh god, what if the twins are his? <laughs> We're building an awful lot of headcanon here. Yeah, let's get back to the All right. Uh Michael P, important fact, the date on Saul's $700 check was May 13, 2002. 
That's my two-year huh. sexual anniversary. Yes, on May 13, 2000, <laughs> I lost my virginity in a magical performance. That said, I got mixed reviews. Uh, these are our listeners, folks. Uh-huh. Michael P. Yep. Uh, anyway, I like this episode. I was mostly due to my love for Breaking Bad. It did seem like a stretch that Saul would meet Saul, Mike, and Tuco in the same episode, though. I'm in Mississippi tonight, and I haven't had a chance to see episode two because God has decided to fuck up everything this hotel has to quote-unquote offer. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, Like I said, it an instant cast, this came right up to the cliff of being too much. But it never became too much. It never crossed the line into just parody. This episode specifically? All both episodes in my mind. I know you might yeah. feel differently. Yeah, we disagree on that. Uh been from Newcastle, England, which I have to wonder where do you find a Newcastle in England? Are they just building them? I don't still? think that I think they're all cast, old castles castle boom? at this point. Yeah. Ben, if that's your real name and if you're really mm-hmm. from England in your Newcastle. Hey, Jim and Aaron, do you have a problem with knowing a certain selection of characters can't die? No matter what happens to Saul or the situation we know that he's in, we know he'll get out of it. Same with Tuco. Mike, meeting a man when he inevitably appears, and any other Breaking Bad characters. Does this bother you as much as it does me? I feel like it takes away some of the drama. A little bit. A little bit. That's the tough thing with prequels, right? Yeah. Like, that... It ultimately is it surprising the prequels are unsatisfied when we know what happens to Anakin and we know what happens to Obi Wan. Sure. On the other hand, I I think that Better Call Saul is not the same thing as Breaking Bad. This it doesn't feel like a a train going to a terminal destination. Okay. Um. So, or if it does, it's at least a journey you've never been on. Yeah. Even if you've been to the city, like it's coming into a city another way. Yeah. No. No. Like no. I, I'm. I'm kind of okay with it, uh, though. Though I can understand why people wouldn't be, and why I'm I'm not totally okay with it. Sure, um, it definitely takes away some. But that's the thing. Like how I guess with Breaking Bad, like I never thought that Walt was in danger of dying. Obviously, um, I can see them having two seasons of just okay. What what's the resolution? <laughs> Yeah. It becomes a Skyler and Junior show and the hilarious adventures of Jesse. Yeah, that uh, wouldn't have worked. But I definitely thought maybe Skyler, maybe Junior, maybe Hank, maybe Jesse. Like, yeah. uh, there was nobody safe other than perhaps Walt himself. Mm-hmm. Here, now, we know a, m- a lot of the surrounding characters are pretty much bulletproof. Yeah, that's but true. But I don't know that this show needs to be that dramatic. Sure, and and you know that some characters, like... I kind of like seeing some characters who we know aren't in Breaking Bad. Mm. Um, like, specifically, uh, something from episode two that I will not talk about yet because that's really the only spoiler that we'll have. Yeah. Uh, you you look at those characters and you go, oh, I know he's not around anymore. How's he going to die? How's yeah. he going to be, or at least be out of the picture, Not maybe not die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opposite's like, I know, yeah. But you don't know their fate. So sure. kind of seeing all these characters revolve around new characters is interesting in its own way. Yep. Uh, Michael K. said, a set-piece flaw I have seen in both episodes. When Jimmy opens the door to his shithole office, there's always a chair in the way that the door pushes out of the way. When is that getting in the way of the door? <laughs> Are rats rearranging his office when he's not in there? What the fuck? It's the fucking lady at the nail salon. She's just doing it to fuck with. She goes back. She crawls through the, the panelist ceiling. <laughs> she she gets a broom. <laughs> she sweeps it over toward the door. That cucumber water-stealing son of a bitch. Yep. I'll show him. Yep. 
She just desperately wants him to move out. Yeah. Uh, but it's her storage area. Refuses to. Yeah. Uh, Matt E. said, several questions came to mind as I was watching this. Will we be seeing more of the black and white future or at any point in time during Breaking Bad, which we talked a little bit about? Yep. Was Mark or Mike just a parking lot attendant? We know he already was a cop previously. Hmm. Um, that's a good question because I had a kind of a crackpot theory that I abandoned because I couldn't make it work that like maybe he's working there to keep tabs on some prosecutor or someone that's important and illegal. So Gus can get some leverage on them. But I'm like, no, that's, that's too hmm. menial a task to send someone like Mike after. Yeah. Seems but, like it, but I can't explain why he's so down and out. Someone as resourceful and valuable, you know, that kind of skill set. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know exactly why he was pushed there's, out. There's of gotta the, be an angle, right? The PD, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we'll find out more about that. All right. <laughs> I think that's a given. Uh, was the salon where Sim, uh, Jimmy had his office space the same salon that Saul later tried to get Jesse and the Whites ah. to buy into? Yes, that is that true. Bonus question, will we see the laser tag establishment at any point? <laughs> I say yes. I say that we have to see, hmm. we have to meet Bill Burr, we have to meet Meeting so, Man, we have to meet the laser tag. Everything that, that we saw Saul touch, I think Villigan wants to write into this show. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, Saul, as I recall, Saul knew about the laser tag place before he brought it to Walt and Jesse, right? Yes, he did, because he knew that it had, I forget what he the guy's a, name but it had a guy who is on ball or yeah. on 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 the same page as far as cooking the books and all that stuff and you need that guy. Yeah, so I could definitely see him establishing that relationship maybe maybe sure. toward the end or depending how they jump around in time sure. at any point in this series. Uh Amanda from Connecticut said after mailing you uh or I'm just mailing you on your question about Breaking Bad Virgins slash Walking Dead fans opinions on the show. I'm a huge WD fan, and as cheesy as it can be, I like the show for what it is. I've seen about a dozen and a half episodes of Breaking Bad when they marathon the show, so I'm familiar with the core cast and major plot points, but not the intricacies and fine details. Hmm. That said, I watched the first two episodes of Better Call Saul with no knowledge of who any of the characters are except for Saul, and was immediately drawn into it. I didn't need the backstory, the side story, or whatever carries over from Breaking Bad to understand what's going on other than the Cinnabon scene at the opening, which was puzzling. I'm wondering if you guys, being so possessed of intimate knowledge of Breaking Bad, are judging a little too harshly on whether this show can stand alone. So far, from my own perspective, I don't see why it couldn't. There are apparently tons of Easter eggs for fans of the original show, but this isn't so tied in to needing that knowledge that's detracting from my sto- from the story they're trying to tell here. Hmm. Granted, it's only the very beginning of a hopefully few-season run, but if Better Call Saul keeps ticking along like this, I can, can't see where it can possibly go wrong. So there you go. Okay. There's the other side of this equation. We're uh, like, like, I mean, that's, you know, that's why I said at the beginning, we yep. can't possibly see it from any other perspective. So it's good to have people writing in who haven't seen Breaking Bad. Although, sorry, we, we just spoiled a whole bunch of it, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you, are you ready to take some lumps? Are you ready to be called to task? Yeah. Because Mark yeah. from Milwaukee wants to do it. Bring it on. Quote, unquote, I don't like the pacing, says the two dudes who cast freaking Mad Men. Like Alan Sepinwall said, this show is going to take its time, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I see this as a character-driven piece, and as someone who misses Breaking Bad desperately, I love the slowdown approach. I thought the second episode is very intense, regardless of what 
some knew about the ultimate outcome. Let's skip a little bit for the spoilers. Now to the person who said this was better than Breaking Bad. Please put down the glass pipe and check into rehab. It is impossible to perfectly to perfect already perfect television, but I don't need Better Call Saul to do that. I just need it to weave right into the Jesse and Walt years with some intensity, and I mm. will do that, I have no doubt. We're off to a great start, and you fellas need to calm it on down. Jim, a rebuttal. Mad Men uses its moments for, uh, its slow moments for very good characterization. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it slows down, it's for a purpose. Like, when this show slows down, I felt like it wasn't doing anything. It and was spinning its wheels versus like, Mad Men, which does something with those moments. Yes. Yes. It's about watchability. Now, I differ in uh, opinion to you, but I see what you're saying. Like, there's a difference between the slow-paced cold open, right? Sure. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Because there was, even though nothing was happening, things were happening. And we were learning yeah. a lot about Jimmy that we and then saw that we didn't know before. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, and, and I felt like that was the case through most of this episode. Uh, like I said a couple of times now, next episode, we'll talk more about that. Right. Um, holy moly, I forgot how much email we had. Uh, <laughs> Joe E said, first, I greatly enjoyed the show and I'm loving it. It's not Breaking Bad, but it's still a great time. Uh, running into Tuco randomly is too much of a coincidence. <laughs> However, it's a fishnado. It's a fishnado. Oh, God. Uh, however, my feeling is they just needed to get out of their system. If they keep this up week to week, I'll wear, it'll wear on me, but one character as fan service is fine. Very impressed with Michael McKean, especially seeing him yelling that he'll get better in the pilot. But could someone explain the dynamic between him, Saul, and Hamlin? Is Hamlin running a scam on them, or is Saul just being selfish, wanting access to millions of dollars? Well, something happen if he doesn't show up to work long enough without cashing out that he'll lose money. I'm confused. Hamlin uh, isn't likable, but I don't understand what he's done that's wrong so far. It's a good point. Here's what I think is happening. I think that they are trying to pay down his partnership slowly rather uh, than cashing him out in one big chunk because it might actually cause them to have to liquidate that company. I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. I I, I don't I don't remember how much of this is drawing on episode two knowledge. Well, plus, that's essentially the plot of the last season of Mad Men, too. Yeah, yeah. Pushing somebody Senior out. Senior partners trying to push someone out and, yeah. and you know, pay them to keep... It's cheaper to just keep paying them a salary. In this in this case, the, the, the peanuts, or is it worth it just to buy him out? I mean, obviously, in this case, it's like a clear, like, yeah, it's way better to just give this guy his stipend. Yeah, I mean, he got it. Didn't he get a check for like eight hundred dollars or something, that, as opposed to that twenty six thousand dollars one that he was sending Jimmy? And he was going to get re- on a regular basis. Yeah. So I mean, what is that? An hour? Are you sending yeah. those hourly? Because yeah. maybe then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also says the lower stakes to show definitely keep its ceiling lower than Breaking Bad. Walt had a good life and a lot to lose. Even if he died without making money, he still would have had a legacy as good as a good dad and husband, and he'd have a family who loved him. And he lost all that. Mm-hmm. Saul has none of that and is at the bottom run of society. I'm surprised they how low they have him there with nowhere to go but up. Hmm. And it's even arguable if he goes up, right? Yeah. I mean, he certainly goes up in financial status. Yeah. But he goes down in moral status. Sure. So, I mean, what, wh- what's Saul your measuring happy? stick like, there? What, that's the thing. Like, what yeah. makes Saul tick? Mm-hmm. There is an idealistic heart beating in this man's chest. So 
the stakes are all huh. internal. It seems like that we're we're geared up here. Yeah. Uh, move on to Amanda G. I know we're all she, she's. I think she's going to tell us to another calm the fuck down. I know we're all super <laughs> excited and apprehensive and on pins and needles to either love or hate the show, but I really think we should all calm. Yep, calm down about it and try to judge it as a standalone show and just laugh up our sleeve at the inside jokes and references. Odin Kirk is a talent and deserves his due. As far as spoilers, that's a tough one. Hey, I'm going to skip all that because we've just we've we've decided by fiat that we're just going to spoil things. And by the way, uh, the vast majority of fans all wrote in very passionately, not wanting us to pull punches on spoilers. So well, the vast majority of our fans have seen breaking bad. Yes. So what it's do you expect? It's a flagship show. It's the first one we started. What that is do? selection bias, my friend. Boom. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, as a huge breaking bad fan, it's fantastic to see all the tie-ins and references and person personality prequels. But this is a show about Jimmy and Saul his roots, his Albuquerque experience, ultimately his rise and fall. As it happens, Jimmy crossed paths with Premeth Tuco, uh, the glimmer of crazy and the charisma that probably get him into his final power state. Um, this is some spoiler stuff. I'm going to I'm gonna actually save most of this email for tomorrow. I meant to do that, and I fucked it up. Anyway, she goes, the show has a more comical tone to match Jimmy and Saul, and I'm all for it. I definitely want you guys to keep it at 100, but please try to cut it a little slack. There you go. It's hard to do that right. both. It's hard to both keep it a hundred and cut slack. Those are those yeah, are antithesis. No, I would give you weak tea if I was uh, Larry Whitmore, Wilmore. You not seen the Larry Wilmore show? That's no. what she's referencing here. Is that another sports thing? No, <laughs> it's the dude that took over from Colbert. Oh no, I haven't seen that. Huh. Colbert. Um, yep. Doug L said, "I was just list finishing your instant cast, and I was kind of surprised that you were concerned with the number of nods to Breaking Bad, even the subtler ones. I mean, isn't this part of the fabric of the show? Breaking Bad became filled to the brim with lost style, secretly meaningful song clues, freeze frames of rocks that look like Gus Fring's head, or using Saul's license plate to foreshadow uh, Jesse's lawyer up, um, or wire up, or what? I can't even remember what the hell that is. Yeah, As, it was they had blocked off the L. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just said W Y R." Um, at a certain point, yeah, wire up because of the yeah. wire. Gotcha. At a certain point, spotting these things became all part of the fun. It seems that BCS, Better Call Saul, is doing the same thing, but can that really be a reason to ding the show? I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I think so. It's a uh, line. It's but, a fine but it's line. also like it's hard for me. Like, I don't know that it's fair to criticize the show for that, but if it reduces my enjoyment of the show and, sure. and I'm – and I'm noticing these things constantly, and it's kind of pulling me out of just the universe that Better Call Saul is trying to create. Yes. I, like, I don't know that it's fair to say that it's a worse show because of it, but it can certainly reduce my enjoyment of it. And there's there it's there's balance in everything. Yeah. I mean, like I, I talked about Gotham. Gotham's pilot is the preeminent example of too fucking much. <laughs> um, so... And that... I don't it n- n- nowhere near that for me, but it's certainly and I think that the bigger I don't know this is a generalization, but the bigger a Breaking Bad fan you are, uh, and the more anxious of a personality type you are, the more you're inclined to be you know like if if you're a parent watching your kid in a talent show, are you the type that's going to be like chewing your fingernails, worried that they're going to fuck up? Uh, are you going to be the person to relax and going to be delighted with whatever because it's your kid and it's cute and whatever? Who cares? I. Yeah. If I'm honest with myself, I'm more I'm of a more, finger chewer. I'm more of the fingernail chewer. I'm more of the, oh, yeah. God, I hope this doesn't, they don't embarrass themselves. Yeah. And it, I mean, you know, that concept of 
Nah, nah. Let's let's save it for episode two. Okay. Save it for episode two. I don't want to get spoilery on this. Uh, Michelle, I'm a huge says I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan and completely enjoyed the first two episodes of Better Call Saul. From the interviews and articles I've read, I didn't expect it to be Breaking Bad. For me, it doesn't need to have the same tone or pacing to be plot driven in the same way. Um, or to be plot driven the same way, rather. I'm enjoying the slow burn of it all. I have a tremendous respect for the writers and everyone involved in the project and trust them. Uh, she says, Saul's superpower is his gift of gab and Breaking Bad. It seems so natural to him. Now it's interesting to see him in a period of his life where his confidence is low and he's literally practicing what he will say beforehand. Odenkirk is doing a great job and he can handle the dramatic parts. The scene between him and his brother in which the brother yells at him and they both seem to be holding back tears worked really well. Yep. I think the show works as a character study with some of the visual and comedic sense of Breaking Bad. I enjoyed the tone of the pilot changing once the skateboarder caper got underway. I don't believe Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould would allow, at this point, the studio to dictate anything to them. I think they're telling the story yeah, that they I'm, want to I'm tell. I'm almost scared of that. Like That's where I feel some of the... like Because it can go bad. Like, the self-indulgent... See George uh, Lucas. ...over-referential stuff is coming from. It's just... They're in a fucking room. They don't have any oversight, and they're doing what they think is funny and fun and awesome. And that worked great on Breaking Bad, but I feel like they had more more people kind of reining them in a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm worried. I'm not, I'm not saying that that stuff is necessarily getting completely in the way yet, uh, and I'm not willing to judge this show yet. I feel like on the, the face of it, but I'm I'm slightly worried with all of the references. With some of the pacing problems I have in episode two. As a counterpoint, I think that Vince Gilligan was pretty hands fucking off from the studio for season 5A and 5B. And that was one of the greatest seasons of television. Hands off? Oh, they just let him do what he wanted? Yeah. Yeah. Like after season four, when the thing blew up and got blew up on Netflix, like nobody was telling him shit. Yeah. And it still was awesome. Then he seems like a humble down to earth. He seems like the kind of guy who would be immune to have smoke blown up their ass. I agree. He also seems like the guy kind of guy who would play a joke a little too far and think it's funny a little bit more than he should. Well, Jim, we, we all hate the things we see in others that remind us of oneself. Yes, so. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. If you've ever been if you've ever felt like you're being trolled with bald move, you probably are. Yeah. You probably are. Except for this. this not people are gonna think you're just taking the piss on better call Saul uh, too. But maybe you are. Maybe I'm being trolled. You've uh, actually done that to me on a fucking podcast. And and the, guy, the guy's psychological name, joke on me. The guy's name is Slippin' Jimmy. I mean there you go. What do you want? You're slippery, Jimmy. <laughs> All right. Anthony P. says, I was extremely exuberant about the premiere, but I may have been blinded by my affection for what I call the villaganisms. Awesome music, cool perspective shots, great dialogue, etc. After listening to your instant cast, I agree. It was a really slow from a plot perspective. My big worry, though, is how far can this series go? After all, I'm pretty sure Walt was the most interesting and dramatic client that Walt Saul dealt with. While he certainly has had some mm. interesting connections, he was mostly an accident settlement attorney. His dealings with Walt had to have been the apex dramatically, since that's what's eventually pushed him to leave Albuquerque. So if we've already seen the most interesting Saul Goodman story, what can we expect from the prequel? That's a pretty solid point. Well, the brother in the law firm had me excited. I, I do agree. Like It can't be as exciting know, as Breaking Bad, though. It's not, it's not going to be as exciting as Breaking Bad, but it is a it is something that is entirely separate from Breaking Bad. In that we never saw anything about this. Sure. So that could potentially be very dramatic, very interesting. I, I think they have places to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that has me excited. 
we don't often see that like different takes in tone on the same universe. It's like they're the mm. Star Wars sequels are there's not going to be a wacky musical one. You know, when the, there was not like the the I mean even like Deep Space 9 was a dark gritty Star Trek, but it's still fucking communist utopia liberal society, right? Uh-huh. Um you know, Law and Order and or like, you know, Special Victims Unit isn't like the Sunshine and Rainbow oh, version. No. This yeah. I I'm trying to think of a spin-off that is radically different in kind of tone and and pacing and all that stuff by still being the same universe with the same characters. That's that's a tough tough thing to pull off, right? I would imagine so. Yeah. Uh, Michael McBee said, "I don't know how much experience you have with the Far Cry video game series. I, almost nil for me. I've seen some of it played. I haven't played any myself. But if you do have any decent amount of experience with the third installment, you know that Vaz, Tuco's new lieutenant, is portrayed by the same actor, which in the game oh. you could describe as a scarier, smarter, and more intimidating Tuco. Huh. So maybe he isn't as level-headed as he appears. Just something I thought I'd share with you all. You said that as we were watching. It's like, this guy is is smarter and more rational than Tuco, which makes him scarier. Yeah. And I agree. Definitely, I feel like he is a man to be reckoned with. Like I don't, I don't think that anybody can really control Tuco. But you very can well, manipulate but, him. It seems like yeah. it's very. It's not that even that hard to manipulate him if you. And he can't disguise what he's thinking either. Tuco's going to feeling. tell you immediately what he is thinking and yes. feeling, and you can react to that. Yes. Uh, whereas this guy might. It's Sonny versus Michael Corleone. Boom. Shit. I mean, this shall be probably saved for episode two. But yeah. But yes, that that guy is much scarier to me. You will see him in episode two if you have not seen it already. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tom G and Volkswagen said, "I liked." Oh, this is another longtime bald mover backing us up. Yeah. Uh, I like the storytelling, the camera work, the new characters, the new stories, etc. But please, fewer Easter eggs for Easter egg sakes. I'm the only idea. Breaking Bad flashback forward character crossovers that make sense are the ones that were in Saul. So Breaking Bad cir- Circle, Mike, Gus, the A-Team, the Disappearers, Honey Tits, and Laser Tag Danny. That's it, Danny. Nah. Need a Danny. Need a Danny. Need yeah. a Danny. Uh, in a prequel, it does not make sense for Saul to interact with the Whites, Jesse, Schraders, Gomez, the Mexican Cartel, or Team Pans or Gray. I want the same creativity, the same quirky uh, character Saul with brand new stories. This was a solid eight that would have been better. I can't believe I'm saying this without Tuco. Hmm. I I mostly yeah I kind of agree with that I mean yeah. I, I don't to me it it is a little bit further from the edge but that's the thing it's subjective yeah. and depending on what type of Breaking Bad parent you are I can see people running the range of good no one I no one's saying this is terrible no 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 and no one's even saying it's disappointing mm. it's basically how awesome do you think the new show is, is I what think we're all I think probably about. the people who bought into the idea that this was better than Breaking Bad right off the bat right. are disappointed. But that's on them. Sure. That's their fault, not the show's fault. Sure. And that's it. Uh, okay. If you'd like to give us some more feedback, you can do so at Breaking... Good Jesus. No. Breaking Good stop. Jesus? Breaking at BaldMove.com. Breaking Good Jesus. <laughs> uh, no, you can do it at BetterCastSaul at BaldMove.com. You can get on Facebook mm-hmm. at Facebook.com slash BaldMove, on Twitter at BaldMove, and check out our forums. Uh, especially if you are... I, You know, I can't imagine you're going to listen to this podcast and watch a show... Um, and not any care about spoilers. Yeah. But if you did, you can also, you can sh- uh, start up a spoiler free discussion about it on our forums. Like you can't in Facebook. Sure. If you want to. So there you go. Um, at forums.baldmove.com. 
we will have another podcast out tomorrow. It's hell week here at Bald Move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Somewhere around six or seven podcasts this week. Sure. 15 oh hours of content we're going to generate. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be back for tomorrow for the second episode. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye-bye.